It's uh, pretty easy to be optimistic about America's prospects if you have no idea what time it is. If you believe, for example, the lies that the conservative movement tells its donors, or the Reagan mythology, or that Republican electoral victories somehow translate into decisive conservative victories. More generally than not, those who know what time it is, i.e., who realize just how anti-American America has become, who realize how much ground the left has gained in this past century, well, these people tend to despair. As the kids like to say, they're blackpilled. And it's kind of easy to see why. And I'd like to begin my talk against the black pill by offering you the preliminary black pill. Uh, time is not going to permit me to make the comprehensive case against uh, as to why America is doomed. I just want to focus on the five most discouraging aspects of our situation. So first of all, America is basically anti-American at this point. The institutional high ground is controlled by a ruling class that is either sincerely woke and anti-American or that completely lacks the courage to stand up to the fanatics. At the best, the most powerful institutions in America are just greedy, i.e. neoliberal, and kind of indifferent to America. But more often than not, they're unabashedly committed to anti-Americanism. I want to give you a couple of thought exercises. Number one, run through the major institutional sectors in America. Can you name major ones that publicly affirm that diversity is not a strength, that meritocracy is, or that, I don't know, say, denounce the BLM Intifada in the summer of 2020. Not the schools, not the universities, not Hollywood, not the corporate sector, not the bureaucracy, not the media, not the social media companies, and now, let's be honest, not the military, not the NFL, and not the mainline churches. During the holy month of June, can you name a single prominent national institution that denounces the LGBT agenda and the damage it has done to American families. Crickets. Not even the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops or the Southern Baptist Convention issue statements. Look, if you love America, you can still find plenty of dissident institutions that align with your beliefs. I happen to work at one of them. But elite and mainstream institutions today loudly signal that they despise you and what you believe. Second. We live in an oligarchy with two tiers of justice. Uh, I can't do better here than quote my friend Matt Peterson, who tweeted after the FBI raid on Mar-a-Lago, guys, look, no one is above the law, okay? Well, except the Bidens, the Clintons, millions of illegal immigrants, domestic terrorist groups we like, sexual abusers we don't prosecute, every government employee's on our side, Epstein's pals, candidates who pay for lies that we can use to surveil our domestic opponents, and anyone from the intelligence community who blatantly lies to the public. And he forgot to add, by the way, Americans who have the privilege of belonging to a recognized oppressed identity group. The law, by contrast, comes down extra hard on law-abiding, middle- and working-class patriotic Americans. Basically, take Sam Francis's concept of anarcho-tyranny and expand it to include the elites, too. Justice has been weaponized. It's being used against political enemies in ever more brazen ways while political allies are given free passes. The regime in some is corrupt. And also, it pains me to add, so are the people. Now, I could dump on you any number of statistics, very depressing statistics about the state of America. I just want to give you two. We are the fattest developed country in the world. 
and we are the largest consumers and producers of pornography in the world. In other words, we have completely lost control over the two strongest appetites, food and sex. What does it say about a country that is incapable of restraining and moderating the animal urges in man? Fourth, the next generation is awful. Now, I don't know if you've looked at the polling about Generation Z and the millennials, but they are astoundingly more woke than my generation, the Xers and the boomers. Among Gen Z, for example, a full two-thirds support shouting down speakers they disagree with, and a full quarter think that violence is legitimate to silence people you disagree with. A friend of mine just graduated from Georgetown Law School, and she likes to tell me, if you think it's bad now, wait until the fanatics I went to law school with are running the DOG. To which I would say, broadening her analysis, if you think it's bad now, with the boomers and the extras at the, hel at the helm, wait until the most coddled, mentally unstable, historically ignorant, lowest testosterone and woke generation in history is at the helm. And then lastly, let's be honest, we on the right are still largely, not exclusively, led by losers, cowards, and grifters. There are numerous exceptions, of course. Many are gathered here at NatCon. But on the whole, the fabled conservative movement is not an inspiring sight. It's not just that they've been completely routed by the left, but they don't even realize it. They are still blathering about the wonders of markets and determined to prove that Democrats are the real racists, all the while taking in donations from patriotic Americans. In sum, things are bad, they're gonna get worse, we're surrounded, the generals are compromised, and there is no cavalry that is coming to the rescue. <laughs> and yet, uh, I think that despair is unwarranted. Uh, I think as it should be clear from my opening remarks, uh, I, I think that unbounded optimism is equally unwarranted, but I think that there are sufficient reasons not to give up on America. I wanna give you five that broadly fall into two categories. We ain't dead yet, and they are nowhere near as powerful as they appear. So look, we still have a base. Trump got 74 million votes, maybe more, who knows? And this after being demonized daily for five years by every prominent American with the exception of Kanye West and Peter Thiel. It is undeniable that large segments of the American population still cling to their guns, 400 million and counting, and their religion, but also their country, their borders, their way of life. For all of the inroads that the left has made that I talked about in the first part, they have not fully conquered the public's mind. They have not broken the American people. They have not fully convinced them. Affirmative action is now going on its sixth decade and it remains largely unpopular. Now, it is true that the, best is, the base is not in the best of shapes, but it is something to work with. Second is, we really have not tried all that much. I mean, look, let's be honest. The GOP and the conservative movement haven't exactly split the atom when it comes to conservative governance. Look at the agenda. On the off chance that it were to be implemented, do you think it would fundamentally alter the political landscape? Of course not. At best, it would save us some money and buy us some time. There is no conservative equivalent in the pipeline to the 1964 Civil Rights Act, or the 1965 Hart-Celler Act, which in my estimation are the two most transformational pieces of legislation in American history. To put it more bluntly, we have been losing for so long that we now think like losers. Look at the ecstatic enthusiasm for Governor DeSantis. Now, don't get me wrong, 
He is, I think, by far the most competent governor in the country and the most based Republican in my lifetime. That said, what does it say about us that we keeled over in excitement because he revoked a tax privilege for a multi-billion corporation that hates your kids? The moves he's made in office, this should be run-of-the-mill stuff for gov governors, pardon me, if they're Republicans, but they're not. This is considered revolutionary stuff on the right right now. My point is, you give up after you've tried everything and you failed. You don't give up after you cut taxes, spent more on the military, and deregulated African hair braiding. DeSantis gives us a glimpse into what is possible. Imagine if he stays the course, if he ramps things up, and if other governors start to emulate him. Who knows what the country could look like in five years? Imagine how quickly the political landscape would change if we had a core contingent of elected Republicans who were committed to using power to defund and humiliate the institutional center powers of the left while protecting patriotic America. Now, look at the other side. They are not sending us their best, right? When the left sends its elites, they're not sending their best. They're sending incompetent diversity hires. They're sending overweight, ugly, mentally unstable, cross-dressing, low-IQ people. They're sending people who actually believe the garbage they read in the media. And some, I assume, are ruthless proto-tyrants who want to crush us. We have vegetable lasagna in the White House with by his side the first affirmative action vice president. Consider the magnitude of the screw-ups. The Afghanistan pullout, inflation, crime rates, COVID. And it's only going to get worse for them because they are doubling down on diversity at the expense of competence and ideology at the, base, at the expense of fiscal and biological reality. And as a result, they're losing, they are burning through their legitimacy. Just consider since the beginning of the Great Awakening how much legitimacy they've lost. Who doesn't laugh today when they hear studies show or the sign says? Has the media ever been more despised than it is today? The magnitude of the lies we are being asked to swallow today have no precedent in any society in human history. Russians were asked to believe that they lived in paradise, but you know what? They had no internet and no way of checking. We are asked to look at William Thomas, whose genitals are visible from under his bathing suit, and say, yeah, that's Leah. We are asked to look at American cities that are burning down and say, yeah, it's mostly peaceful. Keep in mind, too, that no society in human history has had easier access to dissenting information than we do. For all of the deplatforming, the shadow banning, and the delisting, it is very easy through the internet to get subversive dissident information. And worst of all for them, I think, is that they have completely overplayed their hand on race and sex, which were the issues on which they occupied the moral high ground. When I came of age in the 90s, right, the left, they were defendant, the defending part of me, like the upright, church-going black people who were being persecuted by evil southern white racists. And they were standing up for the nice gay guys against the bigoted Christians. Today, by contrast, they're defending black criminals against law-abiding citizens and pedophiles, or as we now call them, minor attracted persons, against parents. The last thing I'll tell you is, 
These people, I believe, many of them would fold like a deck of cards if we put pressure on them. Imagine if any elite Ivy or elite university said, here onward, any student who disrupts a talk, immediately expelled from college. Do you think that these pathetic little small-souled bourgeois social climbers would give up their degrees for their woke principles? No way. I do not buy that wokeness is a religion. Religions produce martyrs. They produce people who are willing to sacrifice for their beliefs. That's not what we are dealing with today. We are dealing with small-souled careerist people who are never challenged. And if we did, I think that many, over, many would come over to our side. I need to wrap up, so I'll give you two last inspiring parting words. One is that what Solzhenistin called the pitiless crowbar of events is the ultimate red pill. The second thing I'll tell you, if this hasn't convinced you, and take this from a Canadian, is that it would be the most un-American thing in the world to give up on America. Thank you. <laughs>